God's people said. If you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 10 this morning. I mean, love the Lord, say amen. Good to have all these children here. I believe they ought to come in and just find out there's another church going on. I had a letter from Brother Bobby I read just a couple weeks ago, or maybe last week, and it just touched my heart about the sincerity of one little boy that got saved, and he was writing a thank you letter to all those on the staff of um, our junior church. My wife preached there yes, last week. No, she didn't preach. She uh, taught a mission story or something. And she commented to me that how good the program was up there and how well organized it was and how receptive the children were. You know, we've had groups of children come in and they were nothing but tornadoes in clothes, you know. I mean, and they were wild as a wet setting hen, whatever that is. But these young people right here have been classified as the most receptive group we've had in a long time. Amen. And very, more, very responsive. And uh, just uh, uh, very serious about worshiping the Lord in their junior church. So I commend them. And I'm glad you're in here because I'm going to preach on divorce. Y'all need that. Amen. But um, <laughs> you know, it amazes me as I preach through the Bible uh, about some of the topics that the Lord dealt with. I think He dealt with everything. And if there's ever a subject that we need to deal with, it's marriage. And it's amazing me that on the week of the marriage retreat, which is the crescendo of my whole church calendar year, I got to do one in North Carolina, one in South Carolina this week, um, how God times messages. And this one, He deals with divorce. And um, we're not going to skip a verse. Amen. We're going verse by verse, chapter by chapter. That's what I like to do, but I want to tell you something. Uh, there's some passages that I wouldn't preach on if I just had to pick, you know. Uh, and I'm not trying to hurt anybody today, because you've been hurt enough if you've suffered the trauma of divorce. Yes. And I'm not trying to add to the Bible and make it stricter than it really is. This is going to be a two-part series on marriage and divorce, and next week on remarriage. Uh, I will preach to you about the false uh, doctrine of Wait a minute, let's pause. I, hear, I see some sunshine. Just a minute, let's pause just a second. <laughs> it, it, is, that, is that not sunshine? Amen. Okay, I, that's what I thought. Praise God. Let's just pause and praise God. Hallelujah. I could preach on Noah's Ark this morning, but, uh, you know, I, I, it's just amazing to me that, uh, you know, a lot of people preach these doctrines like you're living in adultery and to go back to your first husband and all this kind of junk that uh, denominations uh, pick that, we need to see what the Bible says about that. We're going, we're going to deal with all of it. And I was going to deal with it tonight, but I forgot I got a guest preacher. So I'll try to have to hold it a week, and it'll be next Sunday morning. But I'd like to preach on the Lord's defense and declaration of marriage, or what about divorce? Let's stand on the Word of God, Mark chapter 10, verse 1 through 12. Good to have all the visitors here. Good to see one of my heroes here, Miss Jennifer Newberry. I thank God for her, I thank God for her perseverance, I thank God for her faith, and I thank God that you ought to back her up every day in prayer, because she has fought a valiant battle, and I tell you what, she doesn't quit, I thank God for that, so I salute her, amen, I salute her, I salute her being here, and I thank God for any of you here on time change, you say, well, I'm going to tell you something, friend, if I had a Georgia football game, and I had free tickets on the 50-yard line, which I said I'd never go back to, 
I'd get up at 4 o'clock in the morning to be there uh, on time. See, it's a matter of what you delight in. It's a matter of what you count as priority. You can be on time for what you want to be on time for. You can come to what you want to come for. Every couple is here that went on the couple's retreat except one, and that's because Anna's very sick. You pray for her. And that, that, that makes me feel great. You know, Brother uh, Tony yesterday uh, at the marriage retreat, after the first session, he says, there's one person that's mad at me. I said, no, he always looked that way. You'll, he'll loosen up. Don't worry. He really, he come to me and said, he's mad at me. I said, you ain't preached long enough for anybody to be mad at you. Don't worry about it. Just preach, amen. And boy, did he preach, amen. But it does, it does matter how you look when I preach. Sometimes I look at you, I say, boy, he's mad at me. <laughs> then sometimes I look at people and say, he's sad at me. And then sometimes I look at people and I say, I don't think they're there. <laughs> they're here, but they're not really there, amen. And so, you know, I believe a little response don't hurt. I'm not trying to pipe up anything. But an amen will encourage a preacher to preach 45 minutes when he would preach 30. That's why we don't have many amens. But anyway, uh, let's, look at, let's look at Mark chapter 10, 1 through 12, okay? And he arose from thence and coming to the coast of Judea by the farther side of Jordan. And the people resorted to him, uh, him again. And as he was wont, he taught them again. Now here's the whole crux of the matter. And the Pharisees came to him and asked him, Is it lawful for a man to put away, that's where we get the word divorce, put away his wife tempting him? They were trying to trap him again. And he answered and said unto them, What did Moses command you, Pharisees? And they said, Moses suffered a right of bill of divorcement to put her away. And it didn't say put him away, it said put her away. And Jesus answered and said to them, For the hardness of your heart, he wrote you this precept. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. And for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. They twain shall be one flesh. So then they are no more twain, but one flesh. I'll explain that probably next Sunday morning. And what therefore God has joined together, let not man put asunder. Amen. And in the house, his disciples asked him again. They couldn't believe his answer, and they, took, uh, they went privately to talk to him of the same manner. And he said unto them, Whosoever shall put away his wife and marry another committeth adultery against her. And if a woman shall put away her husband, and this really shocked them because there was no divorces that way. No woman in the Bible days could divorce a, a man. No, no way, shape, or form. But he straightens them out. He says, if a woman shall put away her husband and be married to another, she committeth adultery. Now some passages I'm excited about preaching and some passages I just preach. But I'm very excited about preaching the truth this morning. So you pray for me and don't jump to conclusions until you come back next Sunday morning. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for the Word of God. It's always relevant and it's always right. And dear God, I thank you, dear Lord, for what you taught us this week and how you refreshed and challenged my heart to be a better husband, as Brother Rock's already prayed. And God, I thank you for the timing of this message, that God, we need to make our marriages permanent. But God, we can't do it, but you can. 
And Lord, thank you for the spiritual oneness that we enjoy in marriage, not just being married, not just going through some legal jargon, but as we make holy vows to God that your spirit allows us to become one spiritually. Lord, that's the design for marriage. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to rightly divide your word and study your word, and God, that we'd understand exactly this matter about marriage and divorce and remarriage. And we'll praise you and thank you for your perspective and your viewpoint and your plan and, God, your direction for us to have great marriages, that godly marriages, marriages that glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired, amen? I got sick on the retreat, and I must apologize to Jose Amigo or whatever restaurant that I blame my sickness for. It was not that Mexican restaurant. Y'all go back to that. I apologize to them publicly. But it was those 17 oatmeal chocolate cookies that my wife made. <laughs> she hadn't made in about 17 years, and I just overdid it, amen? And so I blame my wife for making me sick. But that's not any grounds for leaving her, say amen. Matter of fact, she's in the nursery this morning, and I sure wanted her to hear this message because I never want her to divorce me. I told her a long time ago, if you leave, I'm leaving with you, amen? But I, I want you to know, Fred, that marriage is something beautiful. Uh, I have two, uh, three premarital marriage counselors before anybody gets married in this church or I... I uh, perform a ceremony. They have to go through that and they come in looking like they're called to the principal's office and they're in trouble. After a while I say, hey, loosen up and smile. I'm for this thing. I've been married 45 years in a couple of weeks and I'm so glad that uh, Elizabeth Terrace, Brother uh, Larry called it Elizabeth Taylor Baptist Church this morning. Boy, was that a slip of the words, amen? I don't think nobody would name a church after her, but um, uh, I'm glad that they're having this youth activity and a free meal because I can take my wife on our 45th anniversary to a free chili supper. Amen. That's good, isn't it? Yeah, y'all looking at me like, yeah, y'all, you're going to need some counsel after that. But I want you to know, friend, I'm tired of Hollywood accusing the Holy Scriptures of being sliding towards women's rights. Uh, you know, here apart from the, the main issue of this message, I want you to realize that the Lord's always a defender of the weak, and I don't think in the ancient world no one suffered crueler wrong and indignity than women. And here our Lord appears as the defender of women. I want you to get the whole picture now, because you take this thing out of context, you'll all get mad before I even finish the message. And folks, he, he knows that women are more than just a, to a sex toy, they're more than just a slave but they were treated that way in the Bible days. Right. And folks, the Lord wanted to set it straight, and so as these Pharisees were coming to uh, the Lord, He lifted up the position of being a woman. Amen. And He said He was teaching them that they're not man's slave, they're not man's toys, uh, to be dismissed and cast out as a mere whim. Uh, she is a, a man's complement, a divine complement, and counterpart in matrimony, in the holy state of matrimony, the women has equal rights with the man. Now, this is not a political speech. This is Bible. And folks, I want to just say this. I want to set, this, set it straight. The honor and the respect and the chivalrous deference paid to women today 
she owes it chiefly and entirely probably to the influence of the Lord Jesus Christ. I was in the Middle East just a few weeks ago and I saw ladies walking 10 steps behind every man, veiled, I mean they had veils over the head, veils over their feet, and veils down to their ankles. And they were carrying the man's luggage. I said, hmm, that sounds pretty good, praise God. But I didn't, no, I didn't. And, uh, and they, were, they, were, they were like slaves to these men in the Middle East. I want to tell you something, if it wasn't for the Lord Jesus Christ, you ladies would be walking 10 steps behind, you'd have a veil over your face like a bunch of Muslims, you'd have a veil over your head, you'd have a veil down to your ankles, but God has set you free. But He hadn't set you free to not respect your husband. Amen, retreat one-on-one, amen. He has not set you free to be an independent, fundamental wife that doesn't submit and follow uh, her husband. And he never endorsed us just to walk out of our marriage because we was fed up with the old boy or the old lady. In the Bible days, a woman could never get a divorce. But a man could divorce for any reason. And folks, I want to tell you something. The Lord's the defender of the family. And our Lord appears here on the defender of the family. Uh, The kingdom depends upon the life of the family. And that's the sacredness and sanctity of marriage. Your family's no stronger than your oneness with each other. The greatest security, the greatest love that your children will ever fear, feel is that mom and daddy love each other and will love each other forever. Amen. Not walk out and have visiting rights and not walk to the court and fuss and fight over who's going who's to get the most money because the kids are going with her. I don't think that's God's plan. And I know a lot of you have been through this trauma. And I'm not trying to add to your hurt because you've been hurt enough. But let me just say this, friend. It's always because of the hardness of heart and sin that causes divorce. Amen. Amen. I want to say this. I'm going to say it very clear. I'm going to be as blunt, not as blunt as uh, Brother Tony was on that last message on sexuality. Whew. I got embarrassed myself, and I've been preaching for 45 years. But uh, it was good. It was needed. Praise God. We're adults. Uh, if you can't take it, stay at home. Oh, no, I didn't say that. Amen. You probably will stay at home. Amen. No, a Baptist preacher should never tell a congregation to stay at home because they will. Amen. But I want to say this, friend, that uh, God help us to realize that premarital sex will mess you up. You might marry the wrong person because you feel obligated or pregnant. Many a divorce has started during dating time because you married the old boy because you were too intimate with him that should have been saved for marriage. Come on, young parents. Hey, parents, back me up now. Back me up later. I'll see you in the hospital or the institute or the marriage counseling session. Folks, it's a serious thing to save yourself and express love. Don't make love. But I've seen many a woman feel obligated to marry somebody that she knew wasn't spiritual. She knew she didn't have a lick of sense. Pardon the expression. I mean, she knew that was almost half insane, but she got pregnant, so she married him. And that marriage didn't last too long. Another thing that's ruining society is shacking. People say, well, I'll just try it out for a while. Folks, I want to tell you something. If you can't have commitment in your relationship, you don't have much of a relationship. Right. And 75% of all shackies end up in being divorcees. It don't work. Say amen. What works is praying, being in church, meeting the right kind of people, being spiritual, and finding a spiritual mate.
Can somebody say amen for your teenager right now? And so folks, I want to preach a couple of messages. It might be a series on what the Lord thinks about marriage. And folks, I want to tell you something. Christ ordained that marriage be permanent and indissolvable. God, what God has joined together, let man not put asunder. That's what the Bible says. But I want to tell you something. We live in a day and age where divorce is accepted, where divorce is, uh, uh, has, has racked many of you, you families, and many, many families have been disturbed. I was preaching uh, the last message just to close on the invitation, and the thing that deflates the whole atmosphere of the home is disrespect. And I want to do a little uh, skit where I come up and just blast Brother Tony for that last message. And just say, you know, that was terrible. That wasn't right. That wasn't appropriate. And I was just going to watch all the air go out of the room. Because you were shocked that I would be so disrespectful to my son and one of my sons in the ministry. And that's exactly what you do when you fuss in front of your children. Amen. That's exactly what you do when you don't respect each other. That's exactly what you do when you don't love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for you, you take the air out of the, and the honor and the excitement and the energy out of your marriage. Folks, marriage is too short to live with fussing and fighting and manipulating. What we need to do is have spiritual oneness. Now, I'll get to my message in just a minute, but what about divorce? Well, when you preach through the book of the Bible, you go to verse by verse, you're going to come up against some situations, and, and I'm serious, these children need to hear this message because one day they're going to be married, and one day they might just remember the preacher said, stay married, Amen. if very possible. And folks, I want you to know that he's about to lay down his life for his church. He's about to lay down his life for you. And these stinking Pharisees, pardon the bad English and the colloquial term, these ungodly Pharisees come to him and start trying to trick him. And they're trying to incriminate him. And they approach him with the hot button of the issue of divorce. I guarantee you in the Tri-State Independent Baptist Fellowship, there's probably 30 opinions about divorce. And it's never going to be preached at a fellowship meeting. Don't you think I'm ever going to bring, bring this up in the fellowship? Because half my preachers would break fellowship with me if I talked about an exception clause. They would never come back. They would never hear me preach. And some of you might not, but you just hang in here for two Sundays and see what the Bible says. Right. There's two approaches to this. To this uh, you can either uh, make it lenient so you, can, so you can feel better about your past, or we preachers can make it strict because we want the sanctity of marriage and we want to stop this divorce onslaught. One million divorces per year in the United States. Do you realize that affects two million people, husband and wife? Last time I checked, it hurts too to have a divorce. And then do you think about this? How about five or six kids they have? What do you think it does to them? And so folks, no wonder our society is in such chaos. The very fabric, the very foundation of the, home, of the society is the home. It's the home. Folks, the strength of this church is the home. Folks, we're just a collection of families, and I know some of you are already falling asleep, but please try to stay awake during this Time Change Sunday. I'd have never timed this on Time Change Sunday because it's a critical message. Do you realize that we got a problem in the homes of America? Amen. Do you realize that your daughter or 
your son could go through the same trauma you went through. And I want to tell you something, friend. You that's had a divorce, the trauma of it, I thank God for Rose's attitude and others that on the retreat, their testimonies. Because I'm going to tell you something right now. You should never endorse it. Because you don't want your children to go through what you went through. Come on, say amen. amen. I say it with tears. I say it with a broken heart. You want your children to marry somebody spiritual. Amen. And somebody that will not walk out on them and not have five girlfriends on the side. Amen. Come on, say amen. But I want to tell you something. we got a problem in the United States of America. One out of two marriages. They say if you make over $50,000, the odds are worse than that. It's about one out of 1.5 marriages. I don't know who's doing all these surveys. I ain't got time for them, but I'll read them. But I want you to know in the Bible days to set this foundation for this message in the next 15 minutes is that the Roman males had up to 15 to 20 wives before their lifetime was over. By the way, can I ask you a question? Where's the Roman Empire today? Where's the Roman Empire? Well, I think it's over there in the Middle East somewhere. No, it doesn't exist. Because their standard of marriage and their standard of uh, oneness and their marriage, their standard of divorce, cremated their own nation. Folks, I fear for America's future. I fear for the world's future. Because the devil is dividing and destroying one family at a time and eroding the foundation of America. Say amen right there. 15 to 20 wives these Romans had. Now, it wasn't that bad in the Jewish, among the Jewish people, but it was a big problem. It continues to be a problem. As I said, if one million uh, divorces took place, that's two million husbands and wives, and that's probably four million or five million people that are hurt every year because somebody walks out on their mate. My job today is not to hurt you any more than you've already been hurt. My job is not to try to preach what Jesus said about the issue in, in any other way but a loving way, in a kind way, in a helpful way. If I was a preacher that had no uh, courage, I'd just skip over this and probably take one phrase out of this 12 verses and say, glory to God, let's shout it out. But I'm going to preach it verse by verse, line upon line, because I love you. You know, I don't believe that we ought to preach a message to make you feel better about yourself or your past. But I don't believe at the same time we ought to add to the Bible and make, make, make us the savior of the marriage. We need to see what God says about divorce and remarriage. I want to tackle this issue very carefully. Number one, I want you to see in verse one and two, the Pharisees attack. It said, in, and, from the ro- and they rose from hence and coming through the coast of Judea by the farther side of Jordan, and the people resorted unto again, and he, he was wrought and taught them, saying, And the Pharisees came to him and asked him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife? Tempting him. I want you to notice the two words, tempting him. They did not care about truth. They were trying to get him killed. Herod's wife, Herodias, had just had John the Baptist's head cut off because John brought up that it was not lawful for him to live with his wife. Amen. They wanted to stir up Harry. They wanted to stir up uh, her, uh, uh, his wife. They wanted another uh, uh, killing. They were testing with a malicious sense, the Lord, tempting him. 
Marriage in ancient Israel was not usually based on love at all. It was based on assignment. Can you imagine that? I'm glad I don't live in the Bible days, amen? I'd hate for some parent to pick out my wife for me, and I'd never seen her before, and all of a sudden I'm down at the altar, and I lift up the veil, and I look at my mom and daddy and say, how could you? <laughs> Come on now. Y'all better laugh now, because you ain't going to laugh later. But I'm t- Listen. I'm glad that I had my choice. I dated my wife four years. I was insane. I don't know how I laid it, uh, wasted that much time, but I want to tell you something. I believe marriage is serious enough to take your time. Right. Some of you get hitched in two weeks, you don't even know them. You might think you know them, but you don't know them. Right. I want to tell you, the true self comes out after the honeymoon. Say amen. Right. It might come out during the honeymoon. Say amen. You say, oh my, what did I marry? But anyway, uh, Listen, I'm going to tell you this, friend. I believe it ought to be entered carefully and prayerfully. I believe you ought to have your parents' approval. I believe you ought to have their blessings. And I'll never perform a ceremony unless both parents have the blessing on that marriage and that union. Never will. But folks, the putting away of the wife, the putting away means divorce. And they were trying to trick him. And there was two philosophies of that day. One rabbi, whose name was Shammai, he taught that only lawful reasons of divorce could be granted was for adultery. The law commended that adulterers were be put to death by stoning in Leviticus chapter 20 verse 10. You committed adultery back in the Bible days, you were a goner if you were caught. They stoned you. They killed you. You say, I think that's a little harsh. No, he's trying to make a point. Marriage is sacred. The sexual union is an expression of intimacy, amen? Don't have it outside marriage, say amen. amen. By the New Testament time, though, however, the stoning for the reason had been outlawed, thank God, and divorce became the remedy for adultery in the, in the marriage. Only the man was allowed to seek a divorce. Now, isn't that something? I mean, a lady could never, never even suggest divorce. There was unequal rights here, I'll guarantee you. Then there was another rabbi named Hillel, H-I-L-L-E-L. And Hillel held a liberal view of divorce. He taught that a man could divorce his wife for any reason at all. And I want to tell you something. These head honcho uh, Pharisees and priests and rabbis, they had a lot of weight. Not that they were overweight. They just, what they said, a lot of people listened to. Because they were worshiping man's laws instead of God's laws. And Hillel uh, held a very liberal view. He taught that a man could divorce for any reason if she took down her hair in public. Divorce. If she was seen talking to another man. Divorce. If she learned his meal. Grounds for divorce. (laughs) There wouldn't be many marriages today. Say amen. Praise God. Not that my wife can't cook. Maybe it's best she is in the nursery. But anyway, um, if, um, if she spoke evil of her mother-in-law, <laughs> divorce. I shouldn't even laugh at that. My word. If she was infertile, divorce. Even if her husband saw a woman he thought was prettier, she could be divorced by that man. As you might imagine, the most popular view of divorce among leaders was Hillel's. Hillel's. They loved it. Men loved it. But the Bible says in Matthew 19, 3, is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? 
they were referring to this modern philosophy of uh, divorce for just any reason. I believe we almost live in that day and age today. Amen? And by the way, if you worship Hollywood people, won't you look at their background? All these athletes, won't you look at their marriages? And folks, we, we, there's a uh, thing that comes on every, every night at 7 o'clock. What's it called about Hollywood? Uh, I was trying to get somebody to holler it out. But anyway, uh, you, you know, it's, it's, it's about, you know, all the news and everything. And every time during that show, not that I watched it, my wife doesn't overlook it, but, uh, but uh, and, uh, uh, they, they, they give the updates of who's left who and, and who's left who for the fourth time. And it's big news in Hollywood. There it is. And I sit there and say, my word, do we worship these guys and pay money to see their movies when they can't even keep their family together? The Pharisees were strict in every area, but they were liberal in one area. The Fa- I'm trying to set this foundation so you'll understand why the Lord said what he said about divorce. Most of the Pharisees married in divorce as it pleased them. And of course, this is a, uh, you know, there were loopholes that allowed the flesh to be gratified. Today, it's almost for any reason, uh, unreconcilable differences, I think is what it's called. You know, you don't, we don't have any reasons. We just can't get along. Well, you should have thought about that before you got married. Say amen. So a confrontation took place. Herod Antipathus is ruling. He married his brother's wife, his brother Philip's wife. She was his half-niece. And this marriage had been condemned by John the Baptist and cost him his head. And Herod would eventually execute him for what he said about his marriage. And I want you to see, friend, that the Pharisees had one plan and one plan only. Let's take Jesus down. Listen, the following is getting too big. Nobody's listening to our law and our legalism. So uh, let's just try to take the Lord down. So that's the framework. Then number two, I want you to see verse three through nine, the Lord's answer. Now, I don't know about you, but I like the Lord's answer about everything. Amen. I mean, I don't want my answer. I don't want the law's answer. I want God's answer. Amen. And in verse three, he said this, and he answered and said to them, what did Moses command you? Amen. He goes back where they're getting all their law. He said, what did Moses command you? And they said, Moses suffered or allowed us to write a bill of divorcement. I'm going to read you a bill of divorcement in just a minute. And, it, and, and, and to put her away. He allowed divorce. But he said, before you divorce him, uh, someone, I, you need to get a bill of divorcement. Why? Because they were kicking out women and they were almost uh, being treated as harlots. All these women were being cast out. You know what? Uh, constituted a divorce in the ancient days when the husband would look at the wife and say, I divorce you, I divorce you, I divorce you. That's all it took. Three times by the husband, I divorce you, I divorce you, I divorce you. So Moses said, wait a minute. Because of the hardness of the heart, you at least need to go through a bill of divorcement. And I'll explain that in just a minute. And folks, I want you to know That in verse 7, he said this, But this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, 
And they twain shall be one flesh, so then they that are no more twain shall be one flesh. And so the Pharisees based their argument on Deuteronomy 24, 1-4 about uh, uh, this divorcement. And folks, he was saying, hey, listen, let's go back a little further to the creation. And I want you to understand that Genesis 1, 26 says he created male and female that they might magnify his image. So therefore, that knocks out all the same-sex marriages. That knocks out all the uh, perversion that we even accept today and can't even say anything against. But in an independent Baptist church, it better be preached against. Amen. And folks, I want you to know the men were divorcing their wives and sending them out of the house, uh, finally with a bill of divorcement. And it was said that the husband had found some uncleanliness on his, on his wife, and the word does not refer to adultery or fornication, but offense punishable, uh, because that was an offense punishable by death. Deuteronomy 22, verse 20, said if you catch your wife in adultery, you can, you can have her stoned. And so the word speaks of immodest act uncleanliness it falls short of the legal definition of adultery she might have been caught flirting with another man or uncovering herself in public taking her veil off some scholars believe that it might refer to even reasons the husbands could think of that made him get rid of her so that's what was going on when the Pharisees came to Jesus and said should we put away our wives for every cause or the disciples had enough And so, folks, at any rate, the husband divorced the wife and sends her away. She goes out, marries another man because there was no legal grounds for divorce. She becomes defiled when she remarries. She's guilty of adultery. The law prohibits her first husband from remarrying her, Deuteronomy 24, and she divorces again if her second husband dies. And so rather than commanding and condoning divorce, Deuteronomy 24, 1 through 4, says we want to control this divorce that's out of hand. I know a lot of you are having a hard time listening. Some of you are asleep. Some of you, please don't snore. But uh, folks, listen. It's because of the hardness of heart, verse 5. Look at it. And Jesus answered and said to them, For the hardness of your heart, he wrote you this uh, precept, this bill of divorcement. Let me just say this. In Malachi chapter 2, verse 16, the Bible says that God hates putting away. God hates divorce. I didn't say I I hate the divorcee, but I hate divorce. And you that's been through divorce, you ought to hate it too. Come on, say amen. Somebody back me up in this very difficult message. Sitting there asleep. Folks, I divorce you, I divorce you, I divorce you. And they were divorced. But here's the bill of divorcement that was written. This is what actually it said. Let this be from me the right of divorce and the letter of dismissal and the deed of liberation that thou mayest marry whatsoever man thou wilt. In latter days they became far more complex, but this was the intent. They were freeing her. Moses said, don't treat her as a harlot. Don't treat her as a second-class saint. And don't divorce her because she took her veil off. It was the hardness of the heart that caused this. The law Moses gave them was given to control a sinful system that arose from man's refusal to honor God's original plan for marriage. Look at verse 6 through 8. Jesus reaches beyond the law. And he says, but from the beginning. He goes back to creation. I'm closing now, but I want to give you this. 
He goes back to creation and says, folks, the Bible says that we ought to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and that husband and wife should leave and cleave and be one. One of the greatest definitions of marriage is in Genesis 2.24. Leave, cleave, and be one. And folks, and the man and the wife were naked and they were not ashamed, the Bible says in the last verse of Genesis chapter 2. That's God's plan. The word cleave means literally glued together. It means you become one. It's not because of the physical act. That, that, that pictures the spiritual act. Amen. That pictures the emotional oneness. That pictures the, the, uh, uh, the physical oneness as an expression of love. Say amen. A lot of people think because they jump in bed, they, they, they're married or they get married. No, folks, it's an expression that should be only in marriage. That's why it's such a terrible sin to be unfaithful to your husband. And I believe it's habitual, it might be grounds for divorce. Marriage is not something that is done on a whim. It's a covenant. We enter into it very seriously. We ought to. Ringo used to be known for the quickie marriages. Go up there for $29.95. Amen, Brother Bob. You live in Ringo now. Don't try it. Amen. $29.95 and a quick quick, uh, visit to the JP and, buddy, you're hitched. Well, you might be hitched, but you ought to pray about being married. Say amen. And some of y'all was married in Ringo, and I apologize, but you know what I'm talking about. Look at verse 8. And they twain shall be one flesh, so then they are no more twain but one flesh. It speaks of far more than just joining their bodies in the act of sex. It suggests they become one person in God's eyes. Isn't that beautiful? Two become one. That's why I love Brother Tony's teaching about respect and honor and love. And the Bible says, husbands, if you don't love yourself, you can't love your wife. Most people are so down on themselves, they can't love anybody else. They're critical and cynical, downgrading. But folks, I want you to see this. I want you to see it real quickly. It's a sin for a believer to marry a lost person. Folks, that's, that's, uh, that's intermarriage that I'm against. Amen? You should marry a person that's more spiritual than you. Amen. And some of you said, I wish I had. I know you do. And I'm not here to hurt you. I'm just telling you right now, marriage is to be entered into seriously. It's not because he's buff and he goes to the gym every day and looks like a hunk. It's not because she's a cheerleader. No offense, Alex. It's not because she's a cheerleader and lovely and beautiful. Folks, it's because she loves God and because he loves God. Say amen. And that he's trustworthy because God the Holy Spirit controls his life, regulates his life, and checks his life. Say amen. That ought to be the criteria for marriage. It's not preached enough. Maybe we preachers are the problem Uh, in this society. We had preached what marriage really is. That's why I love these marriage retreats. I'll fight for them. I'll love them. I'll sacrifice for them. I'll do anything I can to have them. Because folks, our society and our church is dependent on the strength of your marriage. But God gets the glory. God gets the glory when your marriage magnifies Him. And so folks, it's not a gracious concession to a sinful man who wants his way. But that's what he was facing. And folks, we need to realize that God was saying, hey, listen, 
Moses allowed the bill of divorcement because you were just shoving the women out because you didn't like them or they did something that offended you. You need to at least think it over before you push them out. And then you need to release them and not, not treat them like sex objects or like toys or like slaves. And that's exactly what women were treated like in the Old Testament. Amen. That's the truth. The Lord's just equaling things up. He's loving women. He's honoring you. And He's telling we husbands to honor them as the weaker vessel. As heirs together of the grace of life. That doesn't mean the wife's less intelligent. My wife, as you've noticed in the last 41 years, she's a lot smarter than I am. I just can't figure out why she married me, but she is intelligent. She remembers things. She's my spell check. She, 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 I need her. More than just a spell check, by the way. Amen. She's a wonderful mother. Boy, I wish she was in here in the, out of the nursery so she could hear this. I'd get a lot of points. But listen, I want you to know, she, she, she's my divine completion. And if I treat her like a dog, or if I treat her like a sex object, or if I treat her like, hey, listen, I'm just a little fed up with you. I think I'll go get, trade you in for two twenties. And why would two twenties ever look at me? But anyway, I'll trade you in for two twenties. I'm tired of you. And just write, uh, say divorce, I divorce, I divorce. God said, I ain't putting up with it. Amen. There's only one reason for divorce. And I'll deal with that in Matthew 19 next Sunday. There's only one reason. And folks, I believe that even that reason, there ought to be reconciliation, there ought to be prayer, and you ought to do everything you can Amen. to save your marriage. I'm just saying, folks, when you look at this passage, you got to look at the hardness of the society. But you got to look at the Pharisees' object. They wanted to trip Jesus into answering a question or preaching a message like this that'll make half the congregation mad because you don't agree with it. But I'm going to tell you something, friend. I agree with God. Amen. I'm going to stay with that. And I'm going to tell you something. The Pharisees didn't get what they came after. They got the truth. And, I, I, and if this is the only passage in the Bible about divorce, I'd say it's over. It's over. But I'm going to go to Matthew 19. I'm going to go to uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7 next Sunday morning. And I'm going to show you God's ideal for marriage. And I'm going to show you the only reason. The only reason. Because divorce violates God's original idea of marriage. Right. It destroys the image of Christ's eternal union with the church. It's a pretty serious thing. And the Bible says in Malachi 2.16, God hates it. I didn't say it, but I'll agree with God. God hates it. But I want to tell you something. He doesn't hate you that's been through it. You're not a second-class saint. You can still serve the God. There's two things you cannot do. You cannot be a preacher, a pastor, and you cannot be a deacon. You've been through the trauma of divorce. Say amen right there. That's what the Bible says. But I want to tell you something, friend. We're going to study next Sunday morning. There is a word called fornication. It comes from the Greek word pornea. And that means sexual perversion. That means adultery, homosexuality, lesbian. All the awful sins that will not be repented of. And a person living in that kind of state, I believe the Bible, you'll see, gives a spouse exception to say I can't live with that 
But as far as burning the toast, as far as getting some gray hair or no hair, that ain't a grounds for divorce. As far as unveiling your face or flirting with a neighbor, that's not grounds for divorce. Folks, I want to tell you what's grounds for marriage. God's holy ground. How many glad you're married? Say amen. amen. The rest of you, you missed your chance. But I'll say this. I love it. I love my wife. I love being with the couples I was with this weekend. To see their enthusiasm, their, their tears, but their laughter. I, I, I started a vote. I, I decided I was going to make it easier when everybody had babies and couldn't get off work and all that stuff. I said, we're just going to have it at the church. And they said, oh, no, 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 no. We like this. This is good. Some people want to play more games. Some people want to stay in class all day. But I'll tell you what I loved. I loved the responsiveness of people that have listened to how they can be better mates with God. Amen. And you say, well, I don't really need it. Pride comes before fall. Right. And you might not think about it, but I want to tell you something. I've dealt with this 45 years in the ministry. And some of the greatest couples in the church have had to deal with this. And a wife walks off. And a husband walks off. And a husband's caught in adultery. And a wife's caught in adultery. And the children are devastated. And then both quit the church and the children quit the church. And there we go again. And folks, I want to tell you something. It's nothing but heartache. So excuse me while I preach the truth. And excuse me while I preach on the permanency and the beauty of marriage. And God help us to come back next Sunday and listen to the rest of the story. Amen. Aren't you glad you're married? And aren't you glad you're not wondering if he's really going to come home? Wondering why he flirts with all the women. Wondering why he's in pornography and you feel so low rated wondering why you never can get along and you never can communicate and there is no peace or even semblance of peace in your heart or your home folks God's got a great wonderful plan for your life and just to top it all off he's got the power to fulfill it Amen. he's called the Holy Spirit Bring the Holy Spirit home. Let's pray. Father, I feel so inept after this message. I feel like I've just read the introduction. Practically have. And Lord, I sure would like to stay another hour and preach it. But Lord, probably some people couldn't stay awake and some people couldn't stay away from the table. But Lord, it's, it's, it's essential that we get this message of your plan for our marriage and for your glory to be magnified through oneness. Lord, I want to thank you for Miss Connie. I want to thank you for my children. I want to thank you, dear God, that I can preach this message with some authority because my wife's with me and she loves me and I love her and I respect her and I adore her for being so patient with me being such a great help me. Lord, help us. Help us honor one another and thus honor you. God, help us to realize 
when the Pharisees tried to trip Jesus, he just took them back to the origin. He just took them back to what he meant and how he designed man and woman for each other. Even biologically, we're designed for each other. We don't have to alter our body for some perverted relationship. Dear God, help us to get in with your plan. But God, help us to realize you've given us your love that we might touch our mate, that we might please our mate, that we might encourage and edify our mates, and that we might glorify you through our oneness.